0: I don't know if you guys remembered all the way back to August 28th uh, when Tom did the first three verses of chapter three. So that's what, how many weeks ago? So I'm going to see if you can remember what it was about. He only did three verses and there was some tricky language in there. Look at me, just so I can make sure I can see. <laughs> um, and he ended up at the ending point of just Jesus, okay? And we're going to end up in there today again, so I'm spoiling the ending. But um, he did talk about how this chapter is Paul warning the church of Philippi about the false gospels that are out there and that how that can influence the way their church will come together and the way they think. And he ended up with three different types of false gospels. Does anyone remember any one of those three? I'll give you a... Jesus Jesus Plus. Good job. Yes, quick, go back to the notes, Kerry. So Amanda got the first one, Jesus Plus, which is where we have Jesus... Um, as an authority in our life, but we feel like we have to add to it. We have to do something else other than just Jesus. And there was a group, the Judaizers, if you remember, that were trying to uh, influence this way of thinking by talking about circumcision. And Tom played the video from Tim Tim Keller. If you haven't seen the message, go back and watch, because it explains this terminology very well. All right, so Jesus Plus, another one. Jesus minus, good job. So it's when you have Jesus in your life, as in you acknowledge his teachings, think he was a good guy, but he has no authority in your life as God. And then the last one was? No Jesus. Jesus. Good job, Virginia. (laughs) And so you're left with no Jesus, just self, all right? So at the end of three verses, he ended up with, and really the truth of the gospel is, all we need to be in right standing with God, in right relationship with God is just Jesus. And this next uh, 12 verses that we're going to look at today, basically, like I said, come out at the same conclusion. But I just love it because Paul pretty much didn't just leave it as that simple Just be careful of false gospels. He then went on to like tell his story and explain in a way that helps us grasp this concept of just Jesus. And I also feel like he knew that the Judaizers were probably sitting listening to this letter being read to Philippi. And it was a bit of a like, take this, you guys, like I'm going to put you in your place. Because I feel like his um, experience as a church persecutor, he probably understood how they were thinking and how they were infiltrating the church at Philippi to sort of spread their message So, as I said, I'm going to ask you to contribute as we get to certain parts. So, we're going to start in verse 3, which was where Tom uh, left off because it is um, half a sentence into verse 4 where I'm starting. So, to remind you, I have verse 3, right? For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Now, he could have quoted an Old Testament verse right here like, you are cursed if you put confidence in the flesh and be done with it and moved on but here this is where he goes into verse 4 though I myself have reasons for such confidence if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh I have more verse 5 circumcised on the eighth day check of the people of Israel check of the tribe of Benjamin check a Hebrew of Hebrews check these are all things that Paul was born with, he inherited. It's his pedigree that came from birth. So he's saying to these people, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm not an adult convert. Um, like I said, if you want to understand the circumcision bit a little bit more, go back and watch Tom's message. Um, he, I was circumcised as a baby. I belong to the people of Israel. I mean, this is God's covenant nation. He was a blood-born citizen of that, and specifically from the tribe of Benjamin, which was... Uh, in the Holy, Spirit, uh, Holy City of Jerusalem, it provided the first king, King Saul, who, who knows, Paul may have been named after. And he's saying, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Like, my lineage is truly that of one where I understand the culture, I understand the language, I'm connected. So, it, you cannot fault his pedigree. Then he goes on to give some more reasons why he could put confidence in who he is. And these are all things that come from his life experience. So, he continues... In regard to the law, I am a Pharisee. Now, Pharisees were like the most scrupulous Jews you get. Like, they took their table spices and they tithed them. That's how, how well they applied the law to their lives. So he's saying, in regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecute, or I was a Pharisee, I should say. As for zeal, persecuting the church. And as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. So, um, Paul, before he became Paul, when he was Saul, he was persecuting Christians because they were not following the Mosaic Law. Now, the Mosaic Law is the covenant law that came between God and Israel, and it covered everything. It covered moral behavior, civil behavior, ceremonial behavior, and he believed that the Christians were not obeying all these rules to the letter of the law and that they needed to be dealt with. So, he persecuted the church. And then it says there that word righteousness. Righteousness is how God sees us or how we uh, believe we are in relationship with God. Paul, when he was Saul, it was all based on obeying the law. He could not be faulted. It was that when God looked at him, he felt that he saw someone right in God's eyes because his character, his conscience, his conduct, his words all obeyed the mosaic law and therefore put him in good standing with God now this is time of Philippi what about now in Trumbull 2022 what would that list look like for us if we were to say here's my list of why I am in good standing with God or how maybe people in, around us in the community might say add, add to their list Stacy, I, I go to church every Sunday think Think um, also of the first half, the qualities we're born with. I can't say this, but I think a lot of people would say, I was born in America. People might say, I was baptised as a baby. My family have been Baptists for four generations. (laughs) I I went to Sunday school, yep. Anything else on the experiential side, like the life, life, Maybe I have a really, really, really important job. Went I went to seminary, yeah? Deacon in the church. In the church. I, volunteer a lot. I volunteer a lot, yes. Yep. I read my Bible every day. Whatever it is, there are many things. You know, I give more than 10%. Like there are many things we could add to this list that in our hearts we believe put us in good standing with God. Verse 7. This is Paul. But whatever were gains to me now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. This is Paul, who was in Acts 9, if you remember from our Acts um, series when he was converted, this is how it describes. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing threats and murder and was on his way to Damascus to arrest men and women who were followers of Jesus. When suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He answered, Who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. This is Paul's introduction to Jesus. Each of us have a time in our life where we had an introduction to Jesus. It might not have been so dramatic as that, but all of a sudden he's going along and he says, Now whatever I had, I consider it lost because I met Jesus. He threw everything he had at the feet of Jesus when he was converted and they, the language here, the gains and the loss language is very accounting language. I find it quite dry (laughs) and kind of way too simple that you just have like, oh here are all my gains and now I move them to the loss column and I put Jesus in the gain column and Voila, look at this, I've, I've rearranged my ledger kind of thing. I feel like the reality in life of doing that, of moving everything that we put value in, all those things we just listed and many more that were probably running through our heads, like to the loss column and just be like, oh, I consider them lost," and "Oh, I have Jesus. Like it, it's, it's way more complicated and tricky and emotional, that process of doing that, right? But I love how Paul now goes on to give us some really good reasons why we should do this kind of accounting in our lives. So verse eight, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Um, There's kind of two ways we can look at creation and the things that Jesus has given us. And this is what one view is what we call the complementary view, which is look at all these good things he's given us. It just goes to show how good he is. It elevates Jesus to a better place in our minds or in our worth. Then there's the uh, comparative view, which is what Paul is using right here, where he says, you know, anything I have is nothing compared to the surpassing worth of Jesus. In Isaiah, it talks about if you took all the nations and you put them on a scale, they would be like dust compared to how amazing God is and how wonderful God is and that's kind of what he's saying here anything I can count in my life if I put it on a scale it would be like dust it would have no no worth compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ and again as the verse goes on he uses this accounting language again but he also says I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ Are we on to have we got the next half of eight I can now this word garbage in Greek this is a polite Translation of it, (laughs) some translations dung. The true meaning can go with another word. Um, He's basically saying that is how he wants to give them the value he wants to give these things in his life is garbage, so that I may gain Christ. I love this concept of gaining Christ. It's it's like if if that is all where this passage ended for just Jesus gaining Christ in our life, I would stop there. But of course. Paul keeps going. Um, So the first thing is gaining Christ. So he went from being Saul the persecutor to to Paul who gained Christ in his life and everything that comes with that. Jesus' love, Jesus' peace, Jesus' taking away fear. He he would consider all the other things in his life garbage so that he could have Jesus in his life. Verse 9, and not just gaining Christ but being found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I'm going to get um, Ben to go to the next slide. This is that same verse written out as a chiasm. Now Tom has taught about chiasms. Do you remember what that is? It's like a poetic form of writing where the truth of the verse is like in the middle. You can't miss it because everything moves towards it. And if you think of anything from today... This yellow line is, is the thing. So, as he said, he's found in Jesus. And what does that mean? It means not having a righteousness that comes from the law or basically from anything that he can do himself, but that righteousness which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God, righteousness on the basis of faith. That's it. To be found in Jesus, you just have to believe in Jesus. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. We are placed in Christ so that all that is true of Jesus becomes true of us. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For God made Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, I just think that's just so cool, the way that um, not only is the words powerful, it's how they're arranged. It's like where, where the truth lies is right there in the middle. So we've gained Christ, we're found in him. <clears throat> oh, here, this is an interesting thing. We, I took Narelle, my sister, out to OSU um, this last week to see where Darby is and we went to an OSU bookstore to see all the merch and she was just like, why do people need OSU stuck on every single thing in their life? Like, is this even a thing? Like, <laughs> And so if you think of this being found in Jesus, like, so, if you went into a person who supported OSU, you would know pretty quickly like that they're an OSU supporter. This is the same concept of this, um, but to a much deeper degree. We're not talking about sticking Jesus stickers on things. But if you are encountered by someone in your life and you are found in Jesus, that's who they are going to find when they encounter your life. They're going to find him in your actions, in your words, in your relationships – That is being found in Jesus is that anyone that then encounters you, then why Paul uh, counted everything lost is verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings and become like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Just this verse you could do probably a six week series on. (laughs) Just to sum it up really quickly. Knowing Christ gives you access to all the things that Jesus did for us. So the power of his resurrection, we all struggle every day with sin, with um, not living in a way that honours Jesus. But it's okay because we have access to the power of his resurrection when we know him. He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. If we come to his feet daily um, with our struggles, with our sin... We access this power of forgiveness and resurrection. We participate in his sufferings. Life is really hard. We go through really dark times. We go through hard times just like Jesus did. And we can cast all of that on him because he understands suffering. He has been there. We participate with him. And then we become like him in his death. Um, and I sort of referenced that just a minute ago, that dying to self daily um, putting ourselves aside and and knowing him and becoming more like him and being transformed, transformed to be more like him is how we uh, participate and become like him in his death so there we have the three things that um, for, for the sake of knowing Christ of gaining Christ and of being found in him Paul, who literally did lose everything, like he he's not just talking about a theoretical loss of everything, he he's writing this letter from prison, he had lost everything, he said these three things are the reason um, that it's worth it. Just to throw it out to you guys, when you're thinking of gaining Christ, knowing Christ and being found in him, does anything um, jump to your mind about how we do that or um, how, what it looks like in our daily life for Any one of those three, three things? Like if I was to say to you, this week, how are you going to gain Christ? Like, what would that, yep, yep, yeah, everything we need to know about Jesus is in the Bible. (laughs) It's, It's worth spending time there. Has anyone ever seen, hang on Isabella, one second, I'll, has anyone ever seen or been with someone like right after you know they've like spent time with Jesus or after worship or that? There's like a difference, right, in people when you know that they're spending daily time with them. that It, it becomes something that you can physically actually experience with people. Sorry, yes, go, Isabel. Yes, yeah, talk to God, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I believe for me, I don't spend enough time actually confronting my sins, recognizing them, and bringing them. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, I find that I become closer to him, Yeah. hopefully more like him. So for me, it's really comes down to acknowledging, and recognizing, confessing. hmm Yeah. right yes because knowing Christ is a two-way relationship right it's not just knowing about him it's allowing him to know us and into those secret spaces and um, allowing even others into those spaces and and uh, I was thinking saying last week in Stratford like when we get to know someone we spend time we make them a priority all those things because it's a two-way thing we want to have this relationship bloom and develop and it's the same same uh, with Jesus so after he's given us these three reasons to um, consider everything loss, um, Paul gives us this final encouragement not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me We love because he first loved us. We work because he works in us. And we can do this knowing that Jesus is our own because he made us his own. I mean, and this is encouragement, I don't know, to me because I think, wow, if Paul was still saying, I haven't quite got it all together. (laughs) I'm still working on this, this thing of making my life about just Jesus. Then, okay, we've got some good company. And then verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do... Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. He's such a good God. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Just going back to verse 13, Ben, if you can, this, uh, I just wanted to point out this thing, this one thing um, that I can do. When you first read it, forgetting what is behind, I'm sure some of you are like, hey, last year you made us look at our family of origin and you made us do all these things that were about delving into our past. Um, but even Paul referred to his past when he started this passage, right? He talked all about his life. Um, so, and I, I found this thing that I wanted to read to you this week, that I just in a commentary that I just thought was a really good way um, to think about this because I think looking back has its, has its place. So there is a biblical case for self-examination, which means evaluating things that have happened in the past, both good and bad, as a means of growing now. Someone has used this analogy of a car's rearview mirror. You don't drive by looking in the rearview mirror. You drive by looking ahead out of the windshield. But it's helpful to take occasional glances in your mirror and use the information to make decisions about how to drive safely in the present and future. But if you spend too much time looking in your mirror, you'll probably crash because you're not paying attention to the present. In the same way, we need to take periodic glances backward, but we also need to put the past, good and bad, behind us, accept God's grace and enabling for the present and move on with what he's calling us to do now. So I hope that gives you some kind of context because I think it is this concept of, yes, we all have a before we gained Christ story, Um, The thing is being allowing God to see us as now transformed by the righteousness that comes from Jesus and to move forward and not to be stuck in that place of guilt. I know I'm sure a lot of you have heard someone say, oh, but Jesus just doesn't know what I did before, like now, like in a way that they're grappling with trying to really understand and believe that all of that can be forgiven, all of that can be forgotten, and washed away and and that's what this verse is saying Is like don't let it hold you back from knowing Christ gaining Christ um being found in him and then he uses this athletic language and I, again I just thought this was a really a really cool thought and helped um for me uh just drive home this just Jesus message is that Paul's likens this motivation that we have as like an athlete right who's preparing for a race or preparing to be on a team but it is not ...in a way that is like trying out for the team or trying to make the team. It's about someone who's already on God's team. We're already in the race with God. So neither guilt nor pride nor fear should motivate us... ...because we are on a team where God unconditionally accepts us... ...as we strive to become more like Him. So today as we consider all that we have... ...all that we think about in a day... ...all that we prioritise, all that we love... Can we say we consider all as loss, that we may gain Jesus, be found in Jesus, and know Jesus? It's a, it's, a, it's a thing that we're all working on, right? It's a work in progress. We're straining together because we're all on the same team. And we're trying to live a life that honors Jesus, honors the sacrifice that he made for us. And in the, in the confidence that as God looks at us, he sees Jesus. We're found in him. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your, as Bill said, your sacrifice on the cross that makes all of this possible, makes um, your love possible, the Holy Spirit in our lives, our relationship with God. I just thank you so much that we can be found in him, in you, (laughs) Um, and then that's something we can say about our lives as we put our faith in you, just pray as we strain ahead, as we uh, walk this journey together of heading towards heaven, Lord, that you'll continue to show, shape us and show us ways that we can be transformed uh, into people who, who are Jesus' followers and who, who reflect the image of God in our lives. We just pray these things in your name. Amen.